I'm Michael, for those that don't know me. Thank you, team. You're amazing, and we appreciate you. You too are worthy because of what Jesus has done for you. That's good. Maria, you're welcome. Married to the wonderful Gillian, we've been married for 38 years. I said 28 years recently, which is a bit problematic when we have a son of 32. You know, the maths doesn't quite work out, and we're still worthy because God can redeem, but we were married first before we conceived Jonathan, so just for the record. And um, that's all right, I hadn't intended to say that. (laughs) Better put my clock on. Yeah, help him, Jesus, that's right. You know, sometimes people say the statistics in New Zealand aren't great for, um, for people who are married. I'm not sure what the divorce statistics are, even amongst Christians. I think maybe it's about 50%. Uh, maybe on a good day, it's, it's 75% of Christian marriages that make it and 25% that don't. And I've often thought, why is it that after 38 years, um, we're still together? And I think it's fair to say that we love each other now more than when we started at the beginning. Is that true? That's the right answer. That's good. And uh, I think I've told the story before of a, of a friend of Gillian's, and, um, and when he got married, and, and, and they, they're divorced now, when he, they got into a situation, he'd pull out his, his wallet, and he'd have a look at his wedding vows, he had them tucked away in his wallet, and he'd say, I never promised to do this, I never promised to do that. And I think one of the reasons that, we've, that we are, are together and, and continue to be together is that we have an appreciation of the amazing love and grace that we have for one another. And when you have a revelation of the amazing love and grace that Jesus has for you, Jesus has for me, you know, you can stand in the, in the reality of that and know that you are worthy. And because you're worthy, then you want to live your life in a certain way. Um, I, I want to live my life in a certain way, um, not because, you know, there's, I, I promised to do this and didn't promise to do that when we made our wedding vows, but because of, of the love and the grace we have for one another. And uh, I remember uh, someone once saying, you know, if you're thinking about committing adultery, then just imagine yourself sitting down and talking to your kids and telling them why you did it. And um, I, I've often thought about that. Not that I've thought about committing adultery, but I've thought about that <laughs> illustration. <laughs> Going to be many holes, Doug, tonight, I promise you. Just hope I get a chance to fill one or two of them in before I leave the stage. Um, and just kind of, you know, thinking about that, if, if we thought about what Jesus has done, if I had a revelation of what Jesus has done on the cross for me, of all that he's done, then I would want to live my life in a certain way. And the scripture I want to start off with tonight, and thanks to Mia, by the way. Mia's over here somewhere. I'd like to wave to Mia. I don't know whether she'll see us. Hi, Mia. We appreciate you, Mia. We love you, Mia. Thank you. It's Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. I remember just to kind of preface this once, I remember that someone once said to me that people don't choose to be lazy. I thought, oh, that's an interesting observation. People don't choose to be lazy. And the person who was talking about this said to me, no, actually being lazy is actually fallen zeal. And it's a little bit like as we look at these fruit of the Spirit, is people don't choose to be lazy, but when they lose their zeal and they lose their focus for something, you know, that is the, the consequences of what happens. In this passage, when Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, in Galatians chapter 5, 16 to 26, it's a pretty heavy passage of Scripture. And he's talking about living in the Spirit. And he talks about all of those things that can go wrong in our lives when we aren't pursuing the things of the Spirit. And I think it's a little bit like that. You know, if, I, if I'm not zealous, if I don't have zeal, if, I don't ha- if I'm not focused on something, I can end up being lazy by default. 
And Paul's saying in this passage of Scripture, if we don't pursue the fruit of the Spirit, if we don't pursue love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, then some of these things will be the, the default because we're not pursuing those things that Christ wants us to pursue. And so I'm reading from Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 from the NLT. It'll be on the screen for you, courtesy of Mia. <laughs> Life by the Spirit. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with one another, so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, I believe passionately where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But that freedom comes from living in the Spirit. And if we don't live in the Spirit, then we can find ourselves in bondage to the sinful nature. And Paul goes on to spell out just what that looks like. Verse 19, he says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, sacred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That's not a good day, friends, is it? But he goes on to say, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus are crucified, have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Now, it's a journey to live by the Spirit. And I want to talk, the title of the message tonight is, What Are We Pursuing in 2023? And I want to talk from my own life, because I'm on this journey as well, about four things that I've come to see over the 65 years that I've been on planet Earth so far. I know it seems unbelievable, right? That's not the right answer. Um, <laughs> But, you know, these are some of the things that I, and I'm still on the journey and will be on the journey. But I hope that these reflections will be helpful for you as you think about what are you going to pursue in 2023. I came into this year with a tremendous expectation that God is wanting to do something significant in the body of Christ. Um, Shane Willard had those prophetic words last year about God is wanting to do something significant in our nation this year. At the beginning of this year, in, in, in the first few gatherings that we had, there were an amazing number of people who gave their hearts to Christ. I think one Sunday there was eight, another Sunday there was nine. You know, just God is moving by His Spirit. So how are we going to pursue what God wants us to pursue in 2023 so that we can take hold of what God is wanting to do in this year? You might say, oh, Michael, every year is significant, and that's true. But as we pursue the things of God, I believe that the year can be significant in God's kingdom. The first thing I want to talk about tonight is, are we going to pursue happiness, or are we going to pursue joy? You know, happiness is a human emotion, and it's a product of circumstances that I find, our, I find myself in, you find yourself in. But joy, as I've said before, is knowing that Christ is with us in the midst of the circumstances and we're there with one another in the midst of those circumstances. And more than that, but God is able to bring something redemptive out of the circumstances that I find myself in. I found these quotes about happiness um, versus joy. The first is, happiness is smiling when the sun's out. Joy is dancing in the downpour. Well, we've had a little bit of that in the Waikato, haven't we? Had lots of joy and not so much happiness in that area. Happiness is based on what's happening, but joy is based on what you believe. 
Joy is that kind of happiness that does not depend on what happens. Joy seems to be a step beyond happiness. Happiness is a sort of atmosphere that you live in sometimes when you're lucky. Joy is the light that fills you with hope and faith and love. I want to share with Gillian's permission um, a story in our lives when we really struggled with infertility to conceive children. I thought being married to a doctor, you know, we should have this sorted. Um, but it didn't happen that way, and it, it was a struggle. And it was a struggle to conceive both of our children. And interestingly enough, God answered our prayers in quite different ways, which I love about God. You know, it's not a formula. Um, God meets with us in the circumstances we find ourselves in. You may not be aware, but one out of four couples in New Zealand struggle with infertility. And it's that monthly cycle of hope and disappointment. Maybe this month. Oh, no, not this month. Maybe next month. Oh, no, not this month. And you look around you, and it seems everyone who doesn't want to have babies are having babies. And everyone who doesn't want to have babies, everyone, no, is that right? Everyone who wants to have babies, everyone who doesn't want to have babies is, are having babies. And everyone who wants to have babies aren't having babies. That's the way it goes, I think. Oh, that was difficult, but I got it out in the end. So what do you do in those circumstances? Do you place life on hold until the circumstances change, or do you choose to trust God in the midst of the circumstances that you find yourself in and believe that God will bring something redemptive out of that situation? A scripture that uh, came to mind is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you the path to take. So this year, friends, what's it going to be? Are you going to pursue happiness that's circumstantially driven? What are you going to do if you find yourself in a, in a season when life isn't happy? Are you going to be able to take hold of Jesus in the midst of that season? Are you going to believe that God is going to bring something redemptive out of a situation that isn't ideal, as we found when we were struggling with infertility? Because when we can take hold of Jesus, even in the midst of adverse circumstances, when we can be there for one another, then something more of the kingdom comes from heaven to earth. In that season, Gillian and I got to meet lots of couples struggling with infertility, and many of those relationships didn't make it because they couldn't, they couldn't transition that season when life wasn't going as they thought it should go. And friends, you and I will struggle to transition those difficult seasons of life if we're just looking for something that's emotionally based rather than knowing that Jesus is with us in the circumstances and we're there with one another. And knowing in ways that we don't expect God can bring something redemptive out of those circumstances. I don't have time to tell you the miracles that we saw over that time to be able to conceive our first son, Jonathan. And we called Jonathan, Jonathan, because that name means gift from God, and he really was a gift from God. And what God did for us, God will do for you, even in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of the pain, the heartache. And so the first thing I wanted to share is, what are you going to pursue this year? Are you going to pursue happiness that's circumstantially driven, or are you going to share, pursue joy that takes hold of Jesus in the midst of whatever circumstances of life you, f you happen to find yourself in? And you're going to be there to support one another and trust that God is with you in those circumstances. The second thing I want to share tonight is, are you going to pursue entitlement? Or are you going to pursue gratitude and thanksgiving? I, I had a thought. It was just a fleeting thought, but I have to be honest and say I had the thought anyway. And, um, you know, I was thinking back, we've been involved in ministry for 32 years now. And, uh, and you have your good days and your bad days, right? And, and some days, when the days aren't so flash, I think, man, if we hadn't been in ministry for 32 years, we would have cleared off our mortgage by now. 
you know, and, and um, we would have more money in the bank for retirement savings. I remember when, we, when I was an orchardist and I was self-employed and I was just struggling with that. Because when you're an orchardist, you know, you can plant more apple trees, you can do things to increase um, your financial supply. When you're a pastor, well, that's it. You know, you can work 40 hours, 60 hours, 80 hours, but it doesn't make any difference, the income coming in. And I remember God said to me, as we were struggling with that, and God said to me, Michael, you can look after your finances, or I'll look after your finances. Which is it to be? I said, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I think you'll do a better job than I will. I'm handing it over to you. But sometimes, you know, you still struggle with that. Sometimes Bible college students struggle. You know, they've given up a whole life. They've done an internship. It's been an amazing internship as they've um, been here at Activate Church. But then the internships come to an end. And I think, Pastor Sheridan, why aren't you moving over and giving me more access to the pulpit? You know, there's that sense of feeling entitled. And it isn't just happening. How do we trust God in the midst of those? How do we take hold of gratitude and thanksgiving rather entitlement? The truth is that you don't deserve anything, that we're saved by God's grace. And the story of the Old Testament is the Old Testament law never brought about salvation. You know, salvation came through Jesus giving his life for us on the cross. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Gratitude and thanksgiving are the opposite of entitlement. You know, in those times on my bad days, um, and we all have them, you know, sometimes I'll go to the Psalms, and the Psalms are just a... Because the Psalms really are, are kind of like a reflection of human emotion. And uh, Psalm 8 is one of my favorites, and Mia's going to have it on the screen for us. And I'll just read this psalm to myself. Sometimes I'll read it out loud because there's power, isn't there? When you read something out loud, it just seems, I think, more of a reality sometimes in our lives. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Uh, sorry, our, sorry, Lord, our Lord, how majestic, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength. Silence your enemies and all those who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think of them, human beings that you should care for them? You made them a little lower than God, and you crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks, the herds, the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic, how, O Lord, our Lord, how your majestic name fills the earth. You know, we often think that we know what's best for ourselves, but when we look back, we can say, thank you, Lord, that your plans and purposes were better than my plans and my purposes. So what are we going to pursue this year? Are we going to pursue a sense of entitlement? God, you owe me. You know, I sacrificed all of this for you. Or are we going to take hold of God with gratitude and thanksgiving? The third thought I want to leave us with tonight is, are we going to pursue quick results? Or are we going to really take hold of contentment in our lives? 
Will we embrace the season that we find ourselves in and take hold of God during that season? Or are we waiting impatiently for the season to change? You know, I've found that um, sometimes the very things that God wants to build into my life are in the season that I'm in. But sometimes I'm so focused on the next season. God, I'm just wanting out of this season. And God's saying, but Michael, I'm wanting you to take hold of some things in this season. And sometimes in my, in my impatience to want to leave this season and embrace another season, I can miss the very things that God is wanting to do in this season of my life. I remember Pastor John Douglas. Pastor John Douglas was the principal of Tenekau Bible Training Center where Pastor Sheridan and Pastor Jan um, did their Bible college training and where I had the tr privilege of teaching Pastor Sheridan theology while he was staring out the window thinking about Activate Green. Uh, <clears throat> and Jan was typing up his notes at night so that they'd be ready for him the next day. And um, I remember Pastor John saying, wherever you are, be there. Wherever you are, be there. You know, it's like sometimes when you're talking to someone and they're kind of like somewhere else. You know, they're thinking about something else, but they're certainly not with you. And you kind of think, are we having this conversation or is it just me having this conversation? And sometimes I think God feels like that. Say, Michael, are you actually here? You know, I want to meet with you in the season. Are you here? Are we having this conversation? Or are you off somewhere else? And I think there's a, there's a, a real key for, the, for us to take hold of. Are we after quick results? Or are we learning what it is to live in contentment? You know, there are busy seasons in our lives. Absolutely. I understand that. And sometimes priorities need to change. But we don't learn. If we don't learn to put the big rocks in place in this season, they won't be there in the next season. I've found that times when I'm feeling stretched and overwhelmed are the times I need to press in closer to God rather than putting God on hold. And I look back. Most people look back on their lives and you say, when was it that God moved most significantly during your life? It's those times of stretching. It's those times of stress. It's those times when I want out of the season into the next season. But as we take hold of God in that season, there's something formational that happens in our lives. I think for me this next passage of Scripture is one of the most amazing passages in the Bible from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 14. And Paul's talking about this and he writes to the church in Philippi, How I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help. Not that I was ever in need, nor that I've learned, not, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's a full st stomach or empty, plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. You know, when I'm impatient with the season of life I'm in, I find that I can miss out on what God is wanting me to do. And often I'm impatient because I just don't think there are the time, the talents and the resources to do what God wants to do. But you know, in every season of life we find ourselves in, God can work in that season. God can provide the time, the talents and the resources to do what he's wanting to do and to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. I think one of the ways that um, I really learned this lesson the most was when I had a chance to travel to the Philippines. I'd been at Faith Bible College, and uh, I went through Faith Bible College with a, um, a colleague, uh, a fellow student called Oscar Santa Lucia. Isn't that a great name? So I went to see Oscar Santa Lucia, who was church planning in the Philippines. He was church planning on the, the third level of a condemned building in the Philippines. And um, 
We were staying on the fourth level, so I'm not sure how that works. It must have been pretty close to the roof. I do know that I came back with hepatitis as a lasting memory, which wasn't quite so good. But um, that's another story. But I remember sitting down to have a meal. And you say grace, right, at those meals, because they're all things kind of looking back at you. And, uh, but you think, you know, this is the protein. These people are putting the protein that they would have a month, you know, on the table for one meal. And um, as I got to spend some time with those people, um, those people had learnt contentment that I knew nothing of. Now, I'm not talking about poverty because there's nothing redemptive about poverty. Poverty is demonic. Everyone needs, you know, um, a certain amount of food on the table. They need shelter. They need clothing. They need security. They need a sense of progress in their lives. But once those things are in place, there are many people that can't take hold of God in their circumstances and be content. Gillian and I have... have um, Nine people in our lives that we've got close to have struggled on 13,000 a year, 30,000 a year, 130,000 a year. It doesn't matter necessarily how much money you've got. It's taking hold of God in the midst of that season. Jillian yeah. and I learned this lesson. We were at Bible college for three years. There were no student loans or allowances. And uh, we had, had bought a house and mortgage rates were 18%. And so we had our home rented out. It was a three-bedroom home. We had all our worldly possessions and in one bedroom, so we rented it out as a two-bedroom house, and we were still topping up the mortgage while we're Bible college students with no regular income. But we needed to learn to take hold of God in the midst of that season and to find contentment. So, friends, what does that look like for you and me tonight? Are we looking for quick results, or are we wanting to take hold of God and find that contentment? You know, when you learn what it is to sacrifice financially, then it doesn't have a, a hold over you any longer and we learnt in that season what it was to trust God with finances that freed us up in other seasons of our lives the last point I want to share tonight is are you going to settle for the status quo or living life without regret Henry Ford is credited as saying if you always do what you always did you'd always get what you've always got and I guess that applies to Henry Ford and, and um, you know, the Ford Motor Company and the whole thing of, of making cars on a production line was something that had never been done before. And you imagine if Henry Ford had never done what Henry Ford did. We probably wouldn't have motor vehicles like we have today. But he stood out and he, he was prepared to do something different. Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 27, Jesus says this. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it's pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly comes to the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, Come to, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Will we settle for the status quo? Or will we actually press in to what God has for us, knowing that his yoke is easy and his burden is light? And yoke there is the sense of not so much like a, we think of cattle beasts being yoked together, isn't it? But like yoke is being actually taking on the way of Jesus. Will, be, will we be yoked? Will I be yoked to Jesus' plan and purpose for my life? 
Because as I'm yoked to what Jesus has called and graced me to do, then there's a grace and there's an ease in that. Sure, there's hard work, there's sacrifice. But the burden is easy and the yoke is light because that's what we're graced and gifted to do. I want to share with you and just coming to a conclusion, here are some of the lessons that I've learnt so far on the journey of life. And they're, they're just a bit of a reflection really on these points I've been talking about, about happiness or joy, entitlement or gratitude and thanksgiving, quick results or contentment, status quo or living without regret. The first lesson that I've learnt is there's no one perfect woman for me because I'm not perfect myself and the best I can do is to try and be the best person that God's created me to be. And I guess for Gillian too, there was no one perfect man for her. As surprising as that may seem to you all. Um, because we're all flawed, aren't we? And so all we can do is just strive to be the best people that we can be, that God's created us to be. Second thought and finishing tonight is, if you can't honour God with your finances, uh, if I can't honour God with my finances when I'm a student with limited resources, I won't honour God with my finances in any other season. I've met so many other people, so many people, you know, during the course of, of ministry have said, look, it's just really difficult in this season. I'm just going to wait till the season changes and then I'll do this or then I'll do that. But you need to take hold of God in the season that you're in and that will set you up for the next season. The third thing I want to share is it's good to have goals, but God is often in the detours of life and impatience clouds the marker posts. I think, uh, and I haven't got time to tell a story, but we were able to conceive through, through amazing miracles our first child, Jonathan. He's our biological son. And we had a surgeon who was a non-Christian surgeon. Well, he was a Christian surgeon, wasn't he, who gave us, um, gave us his surgical skills free of charge. We had an anaesthetist who helped us. It was just amazing miracles. Bible college students with, you know, with no money having to go to a private hospital to have surgery for infertility. And, and God was amazing. And then we struggled with, oh, we thought we got this licked. What a child number two, and it didn't happen again. And right in the midst of that, we thought, we'll just go down the same track again. This is how God did it the first time. So this is how God will do it the second time. And got right to the edge of IVF, which then was $5,000 a cycle. So that's how many years ago? I don't know, 34 years ago. So that was a lot of money back in those days. And right in the midst of that, we were asked if we would adopt our daughter, Catherine. And I think for me, I think Gillian was more onto it, but for me, I nearly missed it because it wasn't the answer I was looking for. God, this isn't how you're going to answer this prayer. But God chose to answer it a way that was so different, and we're so glad that he did, and we're so glad that we actually were able to take hold of God in the midst of that circumstance. But it's the detours of life. Have goals. Be heading in a certain direction. But be ready for those promptings and nudgings of God's Spirit. The next thought I wanted to share with you is the seasons that you feel you've got at least together and that you stretch the most. That is often when God can work most powerfully in you and through you. But you were never meant to do that journey alone. You know, for Gillian and I, we've shared our testimony. We felt most broken and we were struggling um, with our daughter in particular and we had others who had walked the streets and looked for her and we reported her as a missing person with the police on another Friday night. We saw amazing things when we felt the most broken, the most fragile, having it the least together. And that's the paradox of the gospel, isn't it? You know, when there's less of Michael, there's more of Jesus. And so allow God to use you in the midst of your brokenness. You are worthy. I am worthy because of what Jesus has done. 
God is much more concerned with my character than my comfort. They both start with the letter C, but they're so different, aren't they? I like being comfortable, don't you? But you know, God is much more concerned because character is something that is of eternal value. Comfort's here today and gone tomorrow. What area of your life and my life is uncomfortable right now? Can we take hold of God in the midst of that season? And lastly, I don't have to obey the prompting and nudging of the Holy Spirit, but when I don't, it's hard to hear God in that area of my life the next time. You know, it's that kind of definition. I, I liken the voice of the Holy Spirit sometimes to Jillian's voice. I get Jillian and Jesus kind of mixed up sometimes, and I'm heading for the fridge for those leftover sausages that Jillian said are for tomorrow night's dinner, and I hear the voice of Jillian saying, Michael, don't eat those. I say, get behind me. And I grab the sausage and I eat it. If I do that, the next time, who knows, I'm not going to hear the voice of Jillian as strongly as I did the first time. And we laugh, but it's like that with things of the Spirit too. You know, you, you get a, a prompting, oh, send that person a text, and you kind of miss it. It's just a little bit harder the next time to pick on the, up on the prompting to send that person a text. Or Jay was talking this morning about praying for that person who's sick. Believe in God for signs and wonders and miracles. I'm going to do it, but you miss the opportunity. And then you miss the opportunity again. And God's loving, God's grace is there, but it just becomes a little bit harder to step out in that area. So obey the promptings and nudgings of God's Spirit.